Welcome to Family Vision Sunday 2019. Nice. Someone, someone had my back? When I go up like that, it means, you know, respond with the, that's what, you got it, you got it. You've been in church long enough, all right? So welcome to Family Vision Sunday. Um, we're going to take a break in Mark for this Sunday. Fear not. Mark will still be there when we get back. We'll, we'll, we'll jump back in Mark next week. Uh, but this week, we want to do something that we do every year. Once a year, we want to kind of recalibrate, talk about where we've been, where we're at now, and where we're going. So where we've been, where we're at now, and where we're going as, as, a, as a church. Maybe you're new, maybe you're just showing up for, for uh, Dedication Sunday. That's okay, it's good to hear our vision, it's, it's good to hear what we're about. Uh, this will not be like a so-to, it's not going to be like a State of the Union, alright, I don't want to have to... Have to Place standing up and clapping, and the other half not. I don't know if you watched that. You'll only get the joke if you watched it. All right, I'm not going to zoom. No, no camera's going to zoom in on your face when I say certain points. Uh, this will not be like that. Although, let me back up a little bit. If you decide to stand and clap for Jesus, that's okay. I'm never going to hate on a praise break, okay? We could probably use a little bit of that here, a little bit of a praise break, all right? But let's start here because I need to, I need to just cancel my, my whole intro and, and put a different intro in because God was speaking to me on Friday. Uh, I was at this place, uh, it's called John's Pizzeria. Uh, one of my favorite couples in the world is here, Andy and Jackie. Are Andy and Jackie in here? They drove all the way here to Skip Church. Okay, yeah, they're there, okay. So Andy and Jackie are here. Andy was with me uh, in Michigan in the living room phase. So we went from living room to bar, we had church in a bar, to we had church in a small church building, to we renovated a banquet hall, and we planted another church, and we had a bunch of things going on. Andy was with me for all nine of those years in leadership, I'm pretty sure if I asked him to run through a wall for Jesus, he would have put his head right through the wall because that's the type of duty he is. So I was really excited to get them here. And they're like, what do you want to do in the city? And I'm like, I got to take you to this place called John's Pizzeria. And it's a pizzeria now. Uh, but as soon as I walked in, I started to get the feels. And I started to change my introduction to the sermon. I'm getting the feels as I'm walking through this place because you can see what it used to be. Now, if you don't know uh, what the Christian Missionary Alliance is, the Christian Missionary Alliance is a denomination that we're a part of. We don't flaunt it every single day because we're more about Jesus than we are about denomination. But we love our tribe, and our tribe is the Christian Missionary Alliance. And it started with one of my faith heroes. His name is A.B. Simpson. A.B. Simpson was making six figures as a pastor. That's a lot of money in that time, like six figures the equivalent. And he's a part of this big church, and he's really charismatic, and, and he's got this great preaching way about him. He's full of the power of God. And he went to his elders, his leadership team, and he's like, hey, I want to minister to the immigrants coming off the boats. He's like, they don't know Jesus. I want to make sure they know Jesus. I want to bring them into our church. And the elders, the leaders of his church were like, no, thank you. That's, that's kind of icky. We don't want their people mixing with our people. That wouldn't go really well. And so he said to them, peace, I'm out. And he left. He left comfy church. He left comfy salary. I don't know if they had a 401k back then, probably not. But he left it if they did. He left benefits. He left all of it to plant this church for immigrants coming off the boat. He planted in this building. And this group of people, this small group of people, had dreams that they were going to change the world. I bet you people around them were like, Narrow down your vision a little bit. You can't change the world. But they had dreams. This dude had a dream. Change the world. So they plant a college. They plant other churches. They train missionaries. They send missionaries all over the world. Uh, this denomination, this tribe, is now uh, thousands of churches and thousands of missionaries in the darkest corners of every 
place in the, uh, on this planet. I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm crying in, in a pizza shop. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, like, I want to be a part of something. Anybody else? That's what I thought to myself. I want to be a part of something. It can happen. I, I read the word of God. I read the dead raised. I read communities change. I read, I read, I read governments change. I read, read whole cities worth of people moving and developing and creating together and changing the culture and changing society. I read it in here and I go, I want to be a part of something. God, if you're not dead and we believe that God's not dead, then I want to be a part of the same thing that you promised in the word of God. I want to be a part of something. It pretty much defines me waking up in the morning. That's why I plant churches, because I believe I can be a part of something. I believe one dude can walk into a building with a group of people that are passionate, plant a church, plant a college, plant you know, all sorts of uh, churches that send out all sorts of missionaries and can change the world. That's what I believe in. Because I believe the gospel is alive. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. So why not? That's the bigger question. Why not? Why can't we be a part of something? So that's what I'm going to talk about today, uh, being a part of something. Uh, If you'll participate with me, would you just tell a neighbor, you could be a part of something? Oh, goodness. I mean, I just poured out my soul just now. Tell them, you could be a part of something. Yes. I think the uh, greatest radical picture of that something is the early church. It's the early church. Uh, These people had no resources. Uh, They had nothing special. They just had one resource. His name is the Holy Spirit. And they changed the world together. Even though they were a persecuted uh, group of people under Roman authority, uh, they somehow changed the world through meeting in houses and meeting in the temple and and giving away everything that they had uh, and preaching the word of God and, and using the spiritual gifts that they were given. They somehow changed the world. And so I think this is the greatest picture that we have. Uh, something else that I really like about these people is that they were messy. If you've ever read the book of 1 Corinthians, you know that this, not everything went well. The finances didn't always go well. Relationships didn't always go well. But somehow these people thrived and, and, and changed the world together. You'll find out later on if you stick around for our family meeting. Not everything is, is all roses, right? But we have the Holy Spirit. We have the power of God, and we can do anything together. That's what we believe here. Um, and so we, we love the early church, and we also want to kind of mend our vision, our mission, with the early church this morning. It's just going to be kind of a, a, a mess of our vision, their vision, this scripture. And so we're going to read this scripture together. Uh, let's do something old school. We're a new school church with old school bents. We like things like holiness and the Bible and all sorts of old school things. Let's stand up for the reading of the word of God together. A little bit old school today. I'm feeling it. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them, this is radical, and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. This is a radical church. These people are a part of something, and I want to be a part of something too. Would you pray with me? God, we want to be a part of something. We want something. We don't want to play church. We don't want to pretend church. We don't want to play the Holy Spirit or pretend the Holy Spirit. We want all of you 
and all that you have right here in Jersey City. We believe that we can change Jersey City and eventually we can do things that change the world. That's what we believe. I pray that we're of one heart and one mind in that way. Would you bring us there this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you guys have a seat? Let's teach the truth of the Bible verse by verse and find out what made these people so special. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. If you don't know who the author is, the author's name is Luke, and he is a physician. So he gets the body. He says, look, they're of one heart, one heartbeat. This is the central seat of thought when it comes to uh, the Jewish culture and the Jewish uh, people, and it's also for the Greek people, it's the centrality of, the, of your spirituality. So they're of one heart, and they're of one soul, which means one eternal breath. There's no greater unity statement he could make. He says, on all the things that count, all the things that matter, all the eternal things in life, they're breathing in together, and they're breathing out together. Really radical stuff. Really radical unity. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. So we've talked about this before. One of the first words that you learn is mine. These people are like, none of this is mine. But they had everything in common. That's crazy. I want to be a part of something. Let me tell you the things that should have divided these people, right? There's thousands of them here. I just tried to navigate four people around New York City. Just, just try throwing, just, just for four people, just try throwing out, where do you guys want to eat? Just watch it. Just watch the divisional bomb happen as you throw out, what do four people want to eat? So imagine thousands of people having the same central mind and heart about who God is, what their purpose is, what they should do as a church. Imagine. That's what they got going on here. There's thousands of them. We know there's thousands because Peter preaches this message, right? Peter preaches this message. Thousands of people give their life to Christ. We know that they're of different, different ethnicities because just before that, the Holy Spirit comes on people. They start speaking different languages. So there's Cappadocians there. There's Pamphylians. Uh, there's Egyptians. There's Elamites. There's Mesopotamians. The list goes on. And they're all saying, hey, that Jewish, that Jewish fisherman is somehow praising God in my language. So we know that this is a diverse thousands. It looks like Jersey City. It's a diverse group of people. This, this is a hotbed for division. Different holidays, different languages, uh, di different, different ways to treat your mother-in-law. Like, this is a hotbed for everything that could divide you. And yet they're of one heart, of one soul. Somehow, this is the first part of our, our mission statement, they find home together. In each other and in Jesus. Somehow. It just makes me want that. Now, I know there's opportunity for division everywhere. Life and experience is dividing. Every, everywhere that you turn, we're looking for commonality, and we're not finding it, right? I mean, if you, put, if you put a post out there on Facebook that you think is pretty common, like maybe, I hate Mondays, it should be pretty safe. I hate Mondays. But you know there's going to be someone on there that's going to say, I love Mondays. Mondays are the beginning of the week. You're offensive to me, and you're the reason that Facebook stinks. You're like, wow. How did you do? I sent that out to millions, and yet you thought it was just about you somehow. This is what happens. We live in a land, it's a hotbed for division. Additionally, we live in a highly transient city that is the most diverse city in the country. That's where we live. And so if you looked around, you'd be like, man, this is a breeding ground for division, just like the early church. This is a, a breeding ground to be fractured. And you'd be right. 
But you'd also be wrong in the sense that God loves to be the underdog. Matter of fact, the church functions better as an underdog. Did you know that? The, the, the church's home jersey is persecution. The church thrives under all the odds being against the church. That, that's how the church really... The, the church does not thrive when we're all sitting on our sealy Jesus mattresses and everything's going well and there's enough money in the budget and nobody's persecuting us. We can meet and attend wherever we want. We can talk about whatever we want. The church doesn't thrive there. Church doesn't thrive when we all have a great building. The donuts are just flowing Krispy Kreme. It's a land flowing with bagels and cream cheese. That's not where the church thrives. Jesus and the church thrive as underdogs. That's why the Davids beat the Goliaths. And it changes the world. That's why the prostitutes are sought after by God himself. That's why the unrighteous who know they're unrighteous, the humble, find deep family in God. And the people who are self-righteous don't. Because God functions as he loves to play the underdog. He loves it when the church plays the underdog. And I love it too because now we got to pray. Now we're behind. Now we're divided. Now we got to pray. Now we got to check our junk at the door. You can't come in with all this stuff and you don't like Sandy because of this and that and you don't like Jimmy because he did this and when he was scheduling, he did that. We got to check all that stuff at the door because there ain't no room for that. Not if the church is going to thrive. Not if the church is going is is to change the world, change a city. We can't be divided together. So I, I love this as the church is an underdog. I want to be a part of something. I want to be a part of something where people find home. Despite the fact that nobody else is finding home, despite the fact that we're a land of wanderers, d- despite the fact that people are getting caught up in the color and the animal uh, of their politics, despite all that, I want to be a part of people, uh, a part of something where people find home together. That's what I want. I love it. That's why we work with refugees so often. Because we know they feel so cast aside. And Jesus wants them home. He wants them to find home. And they will find home in Jesus and in the church if we'll let them. Just so you know, find home is the first part, again, of our mission statement. Let's keep going. And again, we're just kind of merging these things together. We're merging the scripture with our, uh, with our, with our mission statement. Um, our, our mission statement is biblical, so it works out. Here's verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pay attention there. Resurrection. And great grace, pay attention there, was upon them all. Here's my statement. I want to be a part of something where people encounter Jesus. Not a counterfeit version of Jesus, not an airbrushed version of Jesus. I want to be a part of something where people find Jesus. When they go into their missional community, they find Jesus. When they come here on Sunday morning, they encounter Jesus. I want you to encounter Jesus every time you sit in that chair. Every time you sit down in a discipleship relationship, you're just getting coffee with somebody. I want you to encounter Jesus. Every time we serve together, I want you to serve with the mind of Jesus and therefore we all encounter Jesus. That's what I want to be a part of. Like these people could have taught anything. They could have taught any gospel. There was all sorts of airbrushed versions of the gospel you know, that day. We've talked about them before. There were the zealots. The zealots weren't bad people. Like if you think about it, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they're not terrible people. They have just an airbrush version of the gospel. So the Zealots thought, you know what? These Roman people, they're oppressive. So let's rise up and knock somebody out. I can get with that. Like if that was going on and they're oppressing children and women and they're like, let's go beat them up. I'd be like, all right, sounds amazing. That's what the Zealots were doing. They were terrorists for God, right? 
but that's an airbrushed version of the real gospel. That's not what Jesus said. So they're not encountering Jesus, they're encountering something else. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they taught religiously the Old Testament. You going to hate on that? I mean, they were, they were teaching holiness, being like God, following the law. Can we really hate that much on that? Well, Jesus was getting on their case. Why? Because it was an airbrushed version of the gospel. It wasn't, the real gospel wasn't a gospel of grace. It was a religious gospel. How about the, uh, I forget really how to say their name, the Essenes, I think is, is their name. These folks were crazy. What they decided is, everybody else is sinful. So let's go out into the wilderness, let's live there, let's eat like oats and honey, and let's love God. Now most people here would be like, wow, that's just some radical stuff. So they're all pure, living out in the desert, that's pretty good. But it's an airbrushed version of the gospel. You know what I mean by airbrushed version of the gospel? Like, I don't know who invented, I looked it up, and I couldn't find, I, I know who invented the airbrush, but like digital airbrushing, I could not find, like who's the person who really started to first digitally airbrush somebody on a magazine? Like I think they had good intentions. They're just like, I want this model's acne to not be there, right? Not bad. I want this woman to be a little bit more curvy or not curvy. I want this man, I want his six-pack to be defined. It's a magazine, so we want their image to be good. Their intentions were not terrible, they were they weren't great, <laughs> they're not, but they're not like, wow, you should. These people were just like, this is just one small alteration on this person. Little did they know, years later, every magazine would be airbrushed, and little girls would grow up and never be able to meet that airbrushed picture. Little boys would grow up and never be able to meet that airbrushed picture. Wives would never be able to meet that for themselves or for their husbands. Husbands would not be able to meet that for their wives or for themselves. Little did they know it would create this culture of false intimacy, false image. It was just a small alteration that created an avalanche of sin, an avalanche of identity. This is what I'm saying about these Gospels. Most of them are just small alterations. Let's just... Be zealous about this one thing. Not Jesus, but let's be zealous about this one thing. And it has an, av- an avalanche of sin attached to it, and all of a sudden lots of people are going to spend eternity in hell because they're following the wrong gospel. Kind of crazy. Just a small alteration leads to an avalanche. Let me show you what, let me show you what, they, uh, what they teach one more time. This is important. What the disciples and the, power, the apostles are teaching. Uh, with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the what? You say it. Resurrection. This is the only gospel that teaches a resurrection of of God himself. The only gospel where God himself says, I'm going to die and come back in three days. The temple is going to be destroyed. I'm going to bring it up in three days. It's the only gospel. This is very specific. All right? This is the only gospel where of the Lord Jesus Christ, great grace was upon them all. This is the only gospel where you don't earn a thing. It's the only one. You can't do it. I don't care if you're super Christian, super holy, super amazing. I don't care if you come in a tie and you haven't sinned in your mind the whole week and you fasted all seven days and you walk up in here looking and smelling like holy. I don't care. You can't earn it. You can't earn your salvation. Every other religion gospel on the planet teaches earn it. Then God will love you. This is the only gospel where you can't earn it. God loves you anyway. This is what they're teaching. I want to encounter Jesus. Not airbrushed Jesus, not fake version of Jesus, 
not slightly altered Jesus. I want to encounter Jesus. Last one. I want to be a part of something where we pursue gospel change together. I want to be a part of something where we find home, where we encounter Jesus. I want to be a part of something where we pursue gospel change together. I want to read you this uh, last scripture here because this last scripture is crazy. Um, There was not a needy person among them. Have you ever been in an environment with hundreds, thousands of people where there wasn't one needy person? I mean, I'm in a group of seven. There's always one. These people, not one. Not one. For as many as them, as many as were owners of land or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. That's crazy. This is not socialism, by the way. Did you know that? This is not socialism. This is people taking what Jesus said seriously, applying it to their everyday life and it creating a radical ripple-down effect. So Jesus said, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves can break in and steal? Store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. So these people are like, yo, I got extra stuff. It's going to get cobwebs. I'm going to sell it, give it to the poor. Sell it, give it to the church. That's all that's going on here. This is not socialism. This is people saying, I'm going to take what Jesus said seriously, and I'm going to do it in a radical way, and it's going to have a trickle-down effect, and it's going to affect everybody. These people aren't affected by culture. They're affecting culture. These people aren't affected by society. They're not getting their cues about love from society. They're getting their cues about love from God. And they're saying, I'm going to love God. I'm going to love God. And people are like, he told me to. And that's going to create a ripple down effect. And it's going to ripple actually upward. And all of a sudden, the kings and authorities of the day are going to be like, these people, these Christians, these, the, the way the Jesus followers, they have this weird love. They're eating in homes together. They're giving each other stuff. It's really weird. We don't like it. We don't know why we don't like it, but we don't like it. That's what's happening. Roman authorities. That's what I want. I want to be a part of something where people find home, encounter Jesus, and pursue gospel change together. That's what I want. I promised that I would tell you where we've been, where we're at now, and where we're going. Um, and so I'm going to do that just to end us off here today. Um, where we've been is not, there, there's a little bit of, there, there's some tough stuff there, okay? And I debated this all week, but for me, if you know me, if you're in personal relationship with me, you know that I don't like darkness. I think darkness is where sin gets legs and, and arms and strength. You can call darkness an incubator for sin. Where light is a greenhouse for freedom. So if you know me, you know I get weird sometimes. I just confess everything. I was at a missional community the other night. They're like, oh God, is the pastor talking about that? Oh geez, pastor. I just, I just felt it on everybody's faces. They're like, oh no. I thought you were supposed to be a pastor. You can't do stuff wrong. But I just, I just, I love to bring it out to the light because I think that's where God heals, right? That's where God brings freedom. So we don't have, we, we have a good past, but there's something in our past. So basically what, what was going on is we, we were actually doing pretty well. Um, there was a, a group of uh, 30 to 60 people that were excited. They're meeting a missional community and the leader had a, a moral failure. Uh, now the leader is, is with, like Jesus is taking care of that leader. He's forgiven by God. Uh, God is restoring his heart and his mind. And so that kind of took the the community back a couple steps. But there was 25 to 35 people that were like, you know what? We're going to keep this boat moving. We're going to keep this boat moving. They're like, row. (laughs) I've never seen it before. 25, 35 people are like, what are you going to do? I'll do this. You do that. Okay. And they're like, row. And they're just rowing together. They're rowing together. 
And so I came in about eight months after that. I told them I'm moving to Jersey City because Jesus told me to. They're like, we might hire you. I'm like, I'm coming anyway. So either you hire me or I'm going to plant like four streets away. Uh, and so they're like, okay, I guess we'll hire you. And that's kind of how that went. You can ask the team. They're like, this was weird. Uh, so, so that's how that went. But these people are diverse. They're young. Uh, they're, they're, they're old. I mean, they're just a mixture of ages and, and, and ethnicities. And they're rowing together. And so we had a year together so far. And the year has been amazing. God gave us a new home. He gave us a new missional community. He gave us baptism. He gave us salvation. He tripled us in size. Are y'all with me? God is doing something. He tripled our partnerships. We're moving. And, and the one thing I want to say here at the end is, God isn't done. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. He's not done with us. He's not done with this neighborhood. He's not done with this city. He's not done. He's just getting started. The ball's just starting to move. What we see is two more churches planted in five years. That's what we see in the greater metro area. What we see is five to ten more missional communities sprouting up all over Jersey City. What we see is at some point, maybe five to ten years from now, we want either a whole community center or a a housing for refugees. That's what we want. It's big. We ain't got no money. That's going to cost millions of dollars. We don't care. That's what we want. We believe God is alive. We believe he's moving. That's what we want. I get a little bit hood when I get, you know, I get excited, but that's what I want, you know? And I guess my, my only question is, my only question is, like, do you want to be a part of something? Do you want to be a part of something? My friend Andy watched seven people. I'd yell at seven people in the living room. I arranged the chairs like, they were, like it was a sermon in the living room. And I'd yell at all seven people. And I'd tell them, we're going places. And they'd be like, there's seven of us, bro. This is a small group. You know, we couldn't even afford bagels. I'm like, it's okay. We're going somewhere. You know, nine years later, that was four to 500 people, two churches. That was three supportive housing units. I believe in God. I believe I could be a part of something. Ask him. Ask her. She's a children's coordinator now. Ask him. I'll tell you. God, God can raise you up. He can raise us up. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We trust that you're here. We trust that you're going to raise us up and you're going to send us out. We trust that you're going to multiply us. We can't multiply ourselves. We can help. We can't multiply the budget. We can help. But we know you're the ultimate king and if we surrender to you, you'll guide this community to something special. So we trust you and we say to you today, we want to be a part of something. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.